Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Mel, welcome to KRLD. How can I help you? I have a toilet that will start howling. What can I do to stop it? When is it howling? Uh, it just randomly through the day or through the night. Now, if I go turn the water line off, it stops. Okay. But it's really loud. <laughs> okay. And when it's doing this, obviously it's filling the tank again. So you must have some water leakage that's coming out of the tank. And it clicks the valve on. Once the tank fills up, it stops again. So it's barely letting the water by. And typically the howling you're hearing is in the washers that are in the valve system inside the tank. As oh. the water is flowing by, it's almost like a whistle going uh, you know, through there. So it's vibrating those, those little washers and O-rings, and that's what causes that howling noise. Okay, so replacing the, the guts is the easiest way? That is, that is typically the easiest way, but before I, before I did that, Check the flapper okay. because normally that's where the water leakage is. Oh. And when you flush the toilet, does it howl then? No. Okay. Once it fills up, it cuts off, boom, no sound. So that tells me I would check the, the uh, flapper. I think okay. you're probably getting a little bit of leakage there. Replace that flapper. They're like, I don't know, buck 49, something like that. And that more than likely is going to fix the problem because there's no longer just a slow leakage where it's got to slowly fill up again. Oh, okay. All right. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Mel, you take. Oh, one, Mel, one more yes. place to look. Uh, make sure that the water's not going over the top of the overflow tube. Okay. Uh, because if it is, then you can just adjust the level down. And, again, stop this from happening. But from the description, I, I'm pretty sure it's going to be the flapper at the bottom. Okay. I'll check that first. Thank you very much. Mel, take care. Have a Merry Christmas. Well, here's the mathematics that you need to use when figuring if you have enough ventilation. For every 150 square foot of attic space, you need one square foot of ventilation. And if you just divide it 50-50, you are fine. 50% on the top, 50% coming in the bottom. So, again, that's for every 150 square foot of attic space. You can calculate that out to how many square foot you need. And, you know, like if you're doing a, a ridge row, for instance, you typically will cut down two inches on each side. And so you just have to figure out how many square inches of material you've cut away and then divide it out into square feet. Okay, it, it, just real quick, in the order of ventilation that I like, I first prefer ridge vents. And again, I'm talking with houses that have soffits. I pre prefer continuous soffit vents. If you've got vents every, like, 20 feet, put vents between. Cut it down to about four foot apart. You'll have much better results. So, if you don't have the ability to put ridge vents, then I like air hawks. If you can't use the air hawks, take a look at the solar fans. No electric fans up there. The solar-powered fans to move air. 
And at that, you have to be careful that you do have enough ventilation then. Because if you put a too strong of a solar fan up there, it will literally pull air in from in the attic from inside the home, which is not going to help your electric bill at all. And a lot of times people think, well, I don't need to worry about the ventilation anyways. I'll just add more insulation and it'll be fine. That's not the case. Ventilation makes a huge difference because it does multiple things. One, it ventilates hot air out of the attic. But two, it minimizes the humidity levels in the attic. Humidity is a killer for insulation. Uh, when, when your insulation gets a lot of humidity into it, a lot of moisture... It actually helps to pass the heat through the insulation, causing you problems. And that's regardless of which direction the heat is going. In the summer months, which is what we're normally building for, the heat is in the attic and starts penetrating down through the insulation. In the winter months, we're trying to hold the heat in our house and keep it from passing up through the insulation. So it, it goes both directions. Pete. Welcome to KRLD. How can I help you? Yeah, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. You uh, bet. My wife and I have been talking about remodeling uh, our kitchen. The house was built in 97 and, uh, you know, looking to do upgraded countertops, backsplash. And the cabinets are really nice cabinets. They're the raised panel, but they were whitewashed, which is, I guess, very common in, in the 90s. Yeah. And want to change the color. But uh, I've had some people kind of scare me off about having them refinished, and everybody says, well, just reface. But, you know, when you've got really nice cabinets, why would I want to replace the doors when I could just refinish them? Because it's, e it's easier for them. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> that's why. And, and that's why they push it so much, because what they do when, when they're refacing, basically they take the cabinet you know, the doors off and the, the drawer fronts off, they'll put a, a new veneer over the face of the cabinets themselves and then have new doors made that they just have to screw them in and they're done. So that's really a lot simpler than coming in, sanding down and refinishing all this stuff. But I, I'm with you. If you got good wood and you like the style of the cabinets, refinish it. Don't don't replace it. Don't, refi don't research, you know, reface it. Okay. Is um, is that going to cost a little bit more than refacing? I'm going to assume it does. Uh, truthfully, it normally costs a lot of times actually a little bit less than refacing does. I'll be done. And, and the, main reason, the main reason it does is you don't have to hire a carpenter and all that to do it. What you're normally going to hire it to, to just uh, refinish the cabinets is going to be a good painter. Right on. All right. Well, Jim, thank you much. You that bet. Was where I was leaning, but I just was looking for you know kind of an affirmation. So yeah, but which way? Now, now let's 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 answer the real question here. Which way was your wife leaning? Um, she was really agnostic. She just wants to change the color. Oh man, you're in like Flynn. Then go ahead and have them repainted and stuff, and be in, and you know you don't necessarily even have to paint them. You can sand them down and. And put a stain on them or whatever you want to do, but yeah, I, that's the direction I would go if you got good wood and, and you like the cabinets. Outstanding. Well, thank you, sir. Appreciate Pete, it. Pete, have a merry Christmas. You too. Bye bye. Two one four seven eight seven ten eighty. You know the problem is we be, we've become a society of throw it away.
and cabinet doors are, are one of those things that you know they, they just readily throw them away and put up a new set on it and it, if if you got damaged doors or you don't like the style of the door then that's great uh, especially when you got older cabinets that are real wood you, you just put a new finish on it reface it new doors and everything and you got new cabinets but if you like the style of the doors and it's all still good wood and everything refinish it Annette in Richardson welcome to Texas Home Improvement how can I help you well I have a, a problem with a contractor I um, had roof damage from the spring hail storms uh, my insurance company came out looked at it agreed that it needed to be replaced gave me you know the down payment or the first installment of that uh, but we in talking to people about the roof we learned that the sunroom which was kind of added on after the house was built didn't have the right slope it didn't tie into the roof and that had caused some leaking in the sunroom so that brought about a big investigation of the sunroom and its integrity and we found out we had rotted exterior wall we needed to redo it so I hired a company that's been in business for over 30 years I used them five years ago had for some remodeling had no problems uh, they started work after I gave them uh, they were working this as two separate jobs the the roof was one and then the sunroom another total I gave them over thirteen thousand dollars to get started and the work was done very, very poorly, very slowly. And I finally called them and said I was done. What, we weren't getting anywhere. The work was done poorly. And the next day, he texted me and said they were filing for Chapter 7 bankruptcy. Oh. So now I have half of a room, nothing with the roof. They've got all of my money. And I wondered if I have any recourse. I, I have read in the property code that a contractor has to establish a construction account for my particular project. And if he did not do that, that, that is a misappropriation of funds and personally can be liable uh, for that. I, I understand right. the corporation can file bankruptcy, but do you have any experience with that? And I don't know how to proceed. Everybody that I've had look at the project tells me everything they did needs to be torn down and okay. to start completely over. Well, obviously, I'm first thing I'm going to tell you is I'm not an attorney, but yes, I do have uh, some knowledge of what you're talking about. In Texas, technically every contractor is supposed to have a separate account for the funds that they collect on down payments like that, and, and each, each project is supposed to, to be kept separate. I will tell you in practicality, I don't know of anybody who does that because uh, the banking system would just go nuts if everybody did that. However, it mm -hmm. is in the law that it's supposed to be done that way. and my understanding of it is yes it can pierce the corporate veil for co-mingling the funds that way but mm -hmm. you definitely are going to need to get in touch with an attorney who can work with you to work through this because just because they're filing bankruptcy 
doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to be entitled to some money back. Um, if they've got any assets or anything that can be sold off, you're going to be put in line with those assets. But unless you file on them, you don't stand a chance of getting anything. And, and obviously, I've got no idea if they've got assets or not. Um, well, I talked to their lawyer, and he said there were no assets to speak of. Um, the lawyer that they were filing with. Um, and I find uh-huh. it very odd, the day after I let him go, that they filed. Uh, and they didn't even file. He went to see the lawyer to tell him about the troubles. And the lawyer said they'd probably file within two weeks. I sent him a certified letter saying I wanted my money back and um, it hasn't produced anything. (laughs) I just wanted to have it in writing that I asked for it back before they filed bankruptcy. Has it exceeded the two weeks yet? Yes. Okay, because you mentioned that uh, they said they would probably file within two weeks. So do you know if they have filed yet or not? I don't know that. Okay. I would definitely, Monday morning, get an attorney mm-hmm. and see if you can check into that. Uh, okay. Because there may be some benefits of filing before they file bankruptcy. Okay. And, All right. and again, well, I'm, not, I'm not an attorney, so I don't know the ins and outs of that part of it. Uh, right. But I, I think you need that legal counsel right away. Okay. I did speak to a lawyer you know, just as a consultant basis, and um, he was the one that gave me the idea about the property code. And yep. So, but I think it's going to be more than I can handle on my own. So I think you're right. It, absolute, it absolutely is, without question, that this is not something for homeowners to do on their own. Uh, and really, I think what you're going to need is going to be a bankruptcy-type attorney, one who's familiar mm-hmm. with the ins and outs of doing all that. Okay. And, and okay, it's well, going to probably you. have to be somebody who's familiar with both bankruptcy and those property codes, both. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And that good luck with that. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. John and Little Elm, how can I help you today? Hi, Jim. I have a problem with water hammering. Um, numerous people have told me different solutions, anywhere from a five dollar breaker valve to twelve hundred dollars repairing each water here Uh, any ideas well it depends on what's causing it and uh so is this happening when you shut the water off at at the faucets or or when does it occur uh mainly it started with uh, the hot water Every time okay. we ran hot water, and I have a feeling it's tied back to uh, a set of new washers and dryer, a uh, new washer that we got. It's a top loader, and or a front loader rather. And I've heard other people say, "Well, that's my issue. It's the washing machine." And that's where it seems okay, so, to start. So when that washing machine, that that front loader's running. Uh, when it's loading water into it, it goes on and off all the time, and you're hearing it slam the water pipes, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. And I, I gotta, I gotta be honest with you. They're gonna sell you all kinds of expensive fixes for that. Yeah. And there ain't none of them gonna fix it. 
and mm-hmm. the reason it won't, what's happening is there's a valve that opens up on that uh, on those front loaders because they're water right. conservation. They only shoot a little bit of water in at a time, and it slams that valve shut quicker than what we do the faucets even. It just slams it shut, and when it does, all the pipes in the house basically rattle because that water pressure backs up and hits everything. The only thing that helps on that is they can put a a water hammer riser, and basically what it is, it just has air in it that compresses the the water. I'll tell you what, I'm going to get back on this right after news traffic and weather. Okay, we were talking about a water hammer issue, and it's got to do with your new uh, front-end washing machine and what I was starting to talk about is in most plumbing systems they have risers and they basically look like a test tube that is mounted into your plumbing pipes they stand up and they have air in them and that's so when you shut the water off suddenly when everything slams back that air in those risers can compress and it keeps from rattling all the pipes but what I have seen with front load washing machines is they're shutting the water off so hard and so fast it's almost like they're sending something back throughout the house on the pipes so I what they have been trying to do is put those risers extremely close to where the washing machine is to try to minimize that it didn't used to be a problem with the old top load but with the front loads for some reason I guess just the nature of the way they are it's becoming a bigger problem. So if you want to try something, that truly is the only thing that I know of that can minimize it in some cases. It doesn't even work in every case. The bigger reason you hear this everywhere is the pipes aren't secured throughout the house. You know, they're passing through two by sixes, they're passing through and and down the walls and everything, and they're just not strapped in everywhere. And so when it gets that sh- sudden shutoff that rattles the pipes, it can rattle it clear on the other end of the house. Oh, yeah. And, you know, in, in order for somebody to go through and retrofit the whole house with those straps would just be cost prohibitive, really. Yeah, yeah, I understood that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um... Can you kind of describe this? Um, you said like a test tube. What do we do? Uh, splice into the well, water lines? Yeah, it just basically it would tie. It, you would you would end up going in. It depends on what you have for water pipes. You know, if you got copper or PVC or what you got or CPVC on the hot side. You know, I don't really know. I want to say it's copper. Okay, if it's copper, basically. The, the copper pipe would be cut. You'd put a T in it and just a, a nipple on the top part of the T and, of course, you know, run it for the two ends that you just cut back together in the T. And then on top of that nipple that you just installed would go that little deal that looks like a test tube. And that's all, that's all there is to it. The issue that we run into in North Texas is most of our plumbing is under the slab and so they'll end up cutting into the wall somewhere to capture that pipe right there in the laundry room and just mount it in the wall 
Okay. Yeah, well, this is a two-story house, so I'm, uh, I guess I'm lucky in that regard that it's coming down to the laundry room on the Oh, floor, yeah, if it's, so. yeah. Yeah, if it's coming down and you could capture it somewhere, you know, up above it there, that's the ideal spot for it. So as close to the washing machine as possible, not actually on the water heater in the attic itself? Nope. No, you want to have it as close to the washing machine as you can on, on this situation. All right. That kind of it kind of makes sense. I've been living with this for a few years now, and I've tried to do a lot of research on it, and it seems like everybody has a different opinion on it. That's the general opinion, something similar to what you just said. Um, yep. I have one more uh, and that's it. You know, th there's a lot of expensive right. remedies out there, but they just don't get it done, and uh, it's not worth taking the risk on the expensive ones. That water hammer that we were just talking about with the washing machine, there are other things that cause water hammers, but that sudden on-off is the typical telltale sign of what really sets them off. And again, those fr the front loads, there's nothing wrong with them. They work great, but that is a little bit of an issue with them. Now, I'll tell you, I've got a uh, reverse osmosis system in our kitchen under the sink, and every time the front load washer is going on and off that way, all the little pipes, the tubes that go to the uh, reverse osmosis shake underneath there so you can hear all that stuff rattling. It, it, it is an issue with them, but I wanted to go over just real quick. If you have a regular water hammer where when you're running the water and you shut it off and the water slams, you just hear a sudden thump, the easiest way to fix that problem is one, shut the water off to the entire house, two, drain all the pipes, open up all the spigots so that all the pipes drain. And I'm, when I say spigots, I mean both inside and outside. Open everything so it drains all the water out. Then the third thing you do is shut all the water spigots back off, you know, faucets, the whole nine yards. And, and that includes flush the toilets so that those pipes drain everything. When, once you shut everything back off, turn the water back on, go to the furthest whatever it is, away from where the water comes in the house, whether it's an outside faucet or a sink or whatever it is, go to the furthest one away, turn the water, water back on, and what that's going to do is start bleeding all the air out of the lines and take the water back out that way. What you just did, those little risers we were talking about, you drained all the water out of those because over time they do fill up with water from the constant slamming. You've drained all the water back out of them, put the air back into them. And so that should take care of most water hammers. It does not fix what those front loaders do, but it fixes almost all other water hammers. So hopefully that'll help you out with, you know, whatever other issues you may be having with water hammers. David, this is Jim. Welcome to WBAP. Thank you very much. My question was inspired by one of your sponsors does the foam insulation in the walls, and I understand how that works, uh -huh. and that really takes a pro with all the special equipment. Our house down here is pier and beam. It's on a sloping piece of land so that under the back bedroom extension that was built onto the house after the house was originally built, there's almost room to stand up. And yeah. up at the front of the house, it's probably less than two feet. 
So I understand you need a pro to do the in-wall stuff. What would be your advice of spray foaming up underneath by me, an amateur? Because when I got up this morning, my feet nearly froze to the floor. There's no insulation under the extension they put onto the house. Yep. And, you know, for everybody listening, the first thing I'm going to tell you is no fiberglass, no cellulose, none of those type of insulations underneath a crawl space home. It causes mm-hmm. wood rot. And, and I, I actually have a, had a job this week that we had to pull off of because we started leveling the house. And we did half of it on uh, let's see, Wednesday. When we came back Thursday morning, it had literally crushed into the wood. They had fiberglass insulation underneath there. That holds the moisture against the wood, and the wood was rotting from the inside out. And so it's going to require major replacement. So if you need to insulate under a crawl space home, you want to use the spray foam insulation, and you got to be very specific. You want a closed cell. So it's reason- a good thing that we don't have a bunch of fiberglass and chicken wire from the previous yep. owner. Nope. Nope. Spray foam with the closed cell. And the reason for the closed cell, open cell can still take on moisture. Closed cell does not take on moisture, and it forms a skin to keep actually moisture from e- being able to get into it. And so if you want to spray that underneath there, by all means you can. Uh, I've actually seen where they make some bottles where you can almost do it yourself now. Yeah, I've seen and, that online. I, the closed cell is important, though. Yeah, and I'm not sure if those are open or closed cell. You would have to check. I've even thought of putting a radiant heating system under the bedroom and the bathroom. That might be a little more work than I want to get into, but the access would be very easy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, I will give you uh, the quick and easy, inexpensive fix for this. And with Christmas coming up, it's a perfect time to get them. And I'm guessing what it is, but go ahead. (laughs) A nice, fuzzy pair of slippers that you keep right next to the bed for when you get up. Okay, one one I thought. I thought you were going (laughs) to say go get those uh, shake uh, rattle bottle foam spray things and do one square foot at a time. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> That's not uh, no, Yeah. Seriously, though, if you want to get the, the uh, foam insulation underneath there, it is an easy project, especially from what you described. Uh, they literally can come in, uh, turn the gun up there, spray it, and, and it's done. And you don't need a lot. An inch or two is really all you need because what you're feeling on your feet is as much the air being able to come through as it is just the wood getting cold. So an inch or two goes a long ways. Yeah, good point, because there's apparently nothing. I'm looking at the bottom of the of the floor. This is good, solid uh, wood floor from 25, 30 years ago, but I'm just yep. looking at the bottom of it looking up. Yeah. And, and and that's very common. Going all the way back, it's very common. And so a lot of times what people don't realize is it's really not that the wood has gotten so cold or or even that the air is so cold underneath the house. It's just it, the, the air is coming up through the joints in the wood. So the spray foam seals it up and it's stopped. 
Well, we know we have the same problem with no good insulation in the summer. It's just not physically painful almost like it is in the winter. Yep. Well, I'm, let me be up front. You're not going to save anything on utility bills doing the underside. It is okay. strictly a comfort issue. Um, the the amount of energy that's lost going down through the floors is minimal. We lose a lot going up through our attics because hot air rises. Uh, but as far as the cold air dropping down and going out, it's so minimal that it, it really doesn't save us anything on our utility bills. Well, that's a great point. I hadn't thought about that because we have to have a couple of supplemental heaters in the back, electric heaters. Yep. Although the rest of the house is just fine. So that's not going to take care of that then. Nope. I need to work, probably need to work on, well, we don't have an attic over the extension. It's just a slanted roof. So if there's anything at all in there, there's not very much. Yeah, and that's probably where your big energy loss is. There's probably nothing between the roof and the drywall, just an open cell. Yep. Okay, okay. thanks. Okay. David, you have a Merry Christmas. You too, you and yours. Thank you, sir. Last call of the day. Todd, how can I help you? Hi, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. You uh, bet. I had an installation question. I've got a 15-year-old house. It's got an upstairs bathroom with an outside wall. Uh-huh. And a couple winters ago, the pipe froze. And uh, ever since then, I've just been dripping the faucet whenever it gets cold. I want to get a longer-term solution. Okay. And so I don't know if I, you know, need to worry about that pipe or if I can just go in there and put some foam insulation in there somehow. All right. Give me, give me one second. Lee, I'm going to skip the due west spot, and I'm going to finish answering this question. Uh, because there's a lot of people who believe in dripping the faucets. Don't do that. Um, because if everybody dripped faucets firefighters would have a heck of a time fighting the fires that happen because it drops the the water pressure. So really what you want to do is get in the attic, wrap the pipe with insulation. And if if for some reason you can't get regular insulation to wrap around it and do well enough, they actually make electric strip heats that you can wrap around it to keep it warm. And that definitely would take care of it. So that's really what you're going to have to do with it. The dripping of pipes, uh, you know, in, in old days, they did a lot of that, but it's so wasteful with the water. But the bigger problem is the fires it can cause. And uh, with that, everybody, have a Merry Christmas. And I will talk to you again next weekend here with more Texas Home Improvement. Don't forget, THIPro.com. And go to our Facebook, Texas Home Improvement Show. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.